Good morning, good morning, good morning. Welcome to Let the Madness Begin. I'm your host, Marshawn Taylor, William Coleman. Um, since this regards, he had to take care of some things this morning. So you're stuck with me, and that's not a bad thing. So before we get into our main topic, I'd like to say today is a day that we like to reflect on the events that transpired 20 years ago, which was the um, terrorist attack that happened. Um, at the World Trade Center and around the country. And, you know, sometimes you sit back and you reflect where you was at that time. I know a lot of people are doing stories about it. And I saw something interesting, you know, and it said the women of 9-11. And I was wondering, did women only get attacked during 9-11? I didn't know only women got attacked during 9-11. I thought that the country got attacked and I thought it was a collaborative effort from all parties' walks of life, creed, color, sexual background, things of that nature. But apparently because women have to have a special box. And I know it sounds weird and I know people be like, well, men have it. No, you don't have the men of 9-11. I don't hear the men of 9-11. I hear the heroes of 9-11. But women of 9-11, that, that was just, that was very interesting to me. And um, it shows me how divisive this country has become that even in the midst of a natural, or not natural, rather, uh, a terrorist attack that of, as we like to call in America, biblical proportions, that we have to separate how each race, um, each sex dealt with it when, honestly, we all felt that day. I know where I was that day. I was in the field. I, was, I had just joined the military. I was in basic training in Missouri. <laughs> We thought it was a field exercise, and little did we know how our lives would change. More importantly, 20 years has passed, and it makes you wonder how it changed because I always tell my daughter she grew up in this. Like technology, she don't know how it feels to know what life was like without a cell phone. She don't know how it feels to know life without a computer. So she don't know life without 9-11. And that's how a lot of our children grew up. And now with all this so-called security measures and um, the country the way that it is. And you never think back to, you know, a time before that. So during this day, you know, a lot of people are having their memorials. A lot of people are doing celebratory runs and things of that nature. And I just like to say, you know, for those families that had to lose people on that day, you know, my condolences go out. You you never truly recover from any death, especially a death of that magnitude. And it makes you um, just sit back and um, realize how blessed we are when we move forward in life because a lot of people don't. So with that being said, let's switch, as we say, gears to <sighs> Corona, a nation at war. <laughs> I find that it, this has been an interesting time. And, I, and, and you know, I always tell people, you know, every generation has that moment where you could just say, you know what, this defines our existence. You know, a lot of um, most generations have Vietnam, World War One, World War Two, even the Spanish flu. And of course, you know, so on, so on. We have Corona and we have the day the earth stood still. But now we have it where we're 
so angry with people that everybody's fighting. And I want people to understand something. If I could keep everybody fighting, I could push my agenda. And I'm going to repeat that. If I could keep everybody fighting, I could push my agenda. The agenda is not the shot. The shot is, is, is not part of the agenda. The agenda is everything else surrounding it. How you got countries that are closed off again. You got countries where they're literally keeping people in their homes. You have countries that are not allowing people from certain countries to come in. You have America right now who's so divided where states are saying, you know what, we're going against anything that Biden says. You have people who are literally arguing with people about if you're vaccinated, not why you're not vaccinated. This is we're so caught up in everything else that we're not even realizing that there's a bigger agenda that's going on. And I think that we need to stop this feud amongst us. Because that's what's happening. We have gotten into a point where this feud amongst us is so rampant. And it's not just with Corona. It's with orientation. It's with color. Creed. I mean, we. every time you turn around, someone's arguing about something. Even as little as, oh, if you date a woman, oh, you, you're not masculine enough. And yeah, people do argue that if you date a woman, you're not masculine. I never heard that before, but now that's what these new men like Kevin Samuels say. It's weird to me. I don't understand that. And I don't understand men fighting over other men. That's weird to me. But <laughs> literally, the men fighting over men. But, but when we pull it back in, it's just us fighting. Everybody's fighting. And nobody's really paying attention to what's really going on. And if you really pay attention to what's going on, it's actually scary when you start looking at everything that's being passed, everything that's, that the government has done. And this is not a hate towards the government. This is me saying, keep your eyes open, your ears open. Don't get caught up in the weeds with the who got the shot. I'm not getting a shot. I'm, some of y'all honestly just want to be rebels that's honest god truth some of y'all want to be rebels some of y'all right now really want to go get that shot but because y'all don't y'all want to be against something some of y'all really want to go out there and hug a black man but because y'all just want to be against something some of y'all want to go out there and eat popcorn but because y'all so against y'all just got to be different and while y'all all are being different while y'all all out there allowing this fester of hate and anger just build up. People are moving in ways that you'll be surprised. And they're doing it in plain sight because they got you arguing. They got you fighting each other while they walk right over you. Think about what I just said. Got y'all fighting each other while they walk over you. In other words, they got, they already got y'all laying down. You willing to defend and fight and kill while they put their engine in place. So please be mindful, be careful, and just pay attention to your surroundings. And pay attention to what's going on. And instead of arguing with someone about what's, why they didn't do this, why they didn't do that, why don't you just say, you know what? I respect you enough to say we agree to disagree. But... 
we don't have to kill each other. Do you feel like America's a teenager? That's how it feels right now. And in the world as a nation, we're, we're still fairly young. Um, as people, we're young. Um, and now everything we're going through, other countries have been through. If you really think about it, if you look through history, where America is, if you look at certain countries, this is their downfall. For all your people who love history, this point was the downfall of a lot of other countries in the past where they had a lot of issues rising, where they got too big, stretched out. I mean, if we want to use Rome as an example, Rome fell over the same issues we're fighting over. Rome lost territories over the same issues we're fighting over. Look, look at your history books. You don't have to believe me. But history states that once a country reaches a point where the states are feuding, where a country reaches a point where the people are feuding, where a country reaches a point where they don't have trust in the government, that's usually when the point where they're about to fall. So this may be our downfall. This may be the point where America finally accepts the fact that it has failed as an experiment and maybe some changes will come. That maybe that's why we're doing everything we're doing. I mean, if you're straight, they attack you. If you're a man, they attack you. If you get the shot, they attack you. I mean, they attack you for everything. How we, how can we come together when we're always attacking each other? How can we see what America was supposed to be? How can we live in a country where we say that we love each other when next thing you know, we're feuding with each other? Families are divided. So this, this is an interesting time. You know, they say pray. This may be a time that we may need prayer more than ever. More importantly, this is a time where we may need to put our differences to the side. But I, I look at America as a teenager right now. We just got to be rebels. At the end of the day, we just, we have to be rebels. We used to be collective and rebels. Like, we used to be rebels to the world. Now we, we're rebels against each other. Now, now, now we, we got to a point that we just want to poke our chest out to the next person. You know, we used to just do that to the world. We used to be like, we're better than everybody else. If the world goes left, we go right. We did our own thing. We didn't go on the, any other metric systems. We didn't do nothing. We, we stay, America stayed consistent with being a rebel to a fault. And now, look at us. So now we're at that point in America where we're like, man, what's going to happen? What's next? Every day you wake up now, it's like, man, who died? Who's fighting who? Who's angry? Why are we angry? Who done? Why I can't go to the store? Why I can't walk in the store? Why is there only three people working at McDonald's when I want something to eat? Why are people not working? Where it's that teenager thing where you know what? You just got to a point where you just say, you know what? Screw you. I'm just going to do me. And I think that's where we're at. So I love it right now. I'm, I'm, 
You know, some people like to see, as they say, the world burn. I'm not one of those people, but I think this is what happens when you ignore issues that has been plaguing society for a very long time. And a lot of these issues have come home to roost. So, welcome to America. And now, this is the topic that I really, really want to talk about. And me and Comey actually discussed this. So, Michael K. Williams passed this week. Um, and they're saying overdose. I don't know if people realize this, but earlier this year, he actually uh, was part of the DMX tribute, who also died from an overdose. And it made me sit back and think about our black men's health. And do we have an outlet when we're going through something? And I know a lot of people be like, well, yeah, y'all have an outlet. Y'all can go work out. That's not an outlet. Y'all go play sports. That's not an outlet. Maybe that's the issue. Maybe we've been working out and playing sports so long that we forgot how to actually deal with our issues. In society right now, where can a black man express his anger and frustration without being ridiculed? Let's be honest. Where can a black man say, you know what, I'm tired without without a person, I, and I'll be real with you, without a black woman saying, well, you been tired. You ain't about nothing. These are facts. I'm not lying. I see it all over YouTube. Where can a black man go and say, you know what, this world has really put me in a place where I'm, I'm just not as confident in who I am anymore. Where? Where can he go at? He can't go home and say that because in his home, he's going to get ridiculed. He can't go to his brother because if you go to his brother, his brother's going to ridicule him because as a black man, we can't show emotions. As a black man, ain't nothing supposed to bother us. Can't go to your woman because your woman already think bad of you anyway. He definitely can't go across the railroad track because the railroad track think you ain't nothing but a piece of crap. People don't just do drugs because... It's the thing to do. They do drugs because a lot of times they're going through something and that's a coping mechanism. And when you start seeing that with African-American males, it, you got to start looking at that because this is not the first time we're seeing that throughout even rap music. Music in general of our persuasion, always having drugs infused in it. And I know a lot of people be like, well, it's the party, it's the party. No, it's beyond the party. If you start listening to these lyrics and you start really paying attention, man, people are really diving into this drug culture to the point that they're using it just to go through life. And as black men, we're being affected by it a lot. I mean, people, before you reach 55, you got young black men dying. And this is what I want people to understand. You make it out of your neighborhood where you had to deal with maybe gang violence, robberies, just property, you know, the issues that, you know, a percentage of us go through. You make it out of that and you finally reach some normalcy in life to where you could feel comfortable enough to live to get to a point where you go back to what you just came out of. 
So let's go back and ask ourselves, did we really come out of that situation? Can black men evolve? And I think that's where the problem is a lot of times, especially when you start seeing older black men who go back to using drugs, who may go back to actually um, stepping out in their marriages, who may go back and do a lot of things. I think it comes to a point where can we evolve? Are we allowed to evolve as black men? And I know people are looking at me like, y'all got shacked. One out of ten. But he has the money to evolve. But when you are in situations where you're, you're trying to reach that point, are you allowed to evolve? You know, we always talk about keeping it real. A lot of times, maybe we get caught up with trying to keep it real. Not trying to be sellouts. It's a lot of pressure being black, but it's a lot of pressure being a black male. And I don't think people really understand that. And I know black women be like, well, we got pressure too. Everybody got pressure, but I think people don't understand the pressure of a black man because the pressure of a black woman falls onto the pressure of the black man. I don't think people understand that we carry y'all burden because if one black man, if you don't like one black man, you categorize all black men the same. If one black man robs a white woman in society, all black men rob a white woman in society. See, we're a paintbrush. We just get a, we all happen to go through it. And that's what I'm saying. So when we have to deal with everything outside of the home and then you come home and you may have to deal with those same issues in your home, where can you go? Who can you turn to? We need to come up with a support system for black males. And not just, hey, let's go shoot some hoops. Oh, let's go to the gym. Or you know what? Let's go to the bar. Let's smoke a blunt. Let's do some coke. Let's do some opiates. That's not what we need. We need to talk. We need to sit down with probably some professional help. And I think in society right now, especially as black Americans, um, I think we need counseling. You need professional help. I'm not saying your pastor is not good. I'm not saying your pastor is not great. But that's what I'm saying. You need some professional help. You need somebody that probably went to school to understand the issues that you're going through. They don't have to necessarily understand it from a person to person, but they have understand it from a, a place where they can help you to find the solutions. And we need to find solutions because seeing Michael K. Williams pass and knowing for the, that he just did the DMX tribute, who passed from... I mean, we were celebrating DMX. We was literally celebrating DMX and he passed. There's a level or a hurdle we get to as black men where we are scared to cross over or we cross over, but we always take a step back. And is that because we're trying to keep it real? And I, I, I have to say that because I'm reminded of Grow, my time growing up and I'm realizing that there was trauma that has happened throughout my time from being a little boy to growing up to being a teenager that 
I'm looking back now that it's affecting me now and affecting me along the way. You know, having to deal with rejection. I mean, honestly, we don't really think about that. Dealing with rejection, dealing with how society views you. Having friends of another persuasion and then y'all reach a point where those friends of other persuasion start looking at you like you're a bad person because now they're understanding where they're at in life. They're understanding how they're viewed in life. More importantly, they're understanding how you're viewed in life. So you're losing those friends. And then that's not even talk about the mental abuse we take from our own music. I mean, our music is so abusive, I'm surprised we don't have more suicides. If you literally sit down and listen to some of these lyrics, you'll be like, man, I'm not worth two cents. And you're paying these people to tell you that. We pay people to talk crap to us. We literally pay people bills and they turn around and tell us, you ain't got money. If you ain't got money like me, you ain't nothing. But I pay for your music. So... Your music I pay for, so I pay your salary. Why are you disrespecting me and I pay your salary? It doesn't make sense, but that's that's our community. It doesn't make sense. I had a conversation with a friend of mine who has custody of his daughters. And we was talking and we got on the subject of, um, you know, how custody, you know, custody work once you move in and this and the third. And I'm not going to go into details, but he's dealing with a situation that if the roles were reversed, he would be in jail right now. Like as black men, we have to walk a certain line. And it gets to the point that it, it, it overtakes you. It overtakes. It's, it overtakes just everything. And any black man that says they don't, don't feel it or understand it, I, I think they ignore it. Because if you really are in tune with who you are and in tune with your environment, which you're in as a, as a black man, you, will, you feel the pressure of just going through life like, man. How can I make people respect me without losing certain types of people? I don't want to act different when I'm with this group of people. But I have to because if, if I speak the way that I want to speak. If I if if I, I won't get accepted here, if I won't if I want my hair this way, I won't get accepted here. I'm looked at it this way, or if I wear this type of clothing, I'm looked at it this way. But if I do the opposite, they're gonna look at me and be like, "Oh, you selling out." Oh, if I do the opposite, they're gonna look at me like, "Oh, oh, it's like that now." Oh, you think you're better than me? Oh, you talking white? We get that. And then our women tell us that we have to have a certain amount of money to be with them. Then our women tell us sometimes, you know, you ain't nothing. You have to put up with what they went through with other men, even though you wasn't the one to put them through it. But you 
carry the burden of it. And then sometimes you're paying the price for what they father did. The point I'm making is that when I saw him passing, it reminded me of a time where we were just told just to shut up. Keep moving. Don't worry about, you know, talking. Talk about what? Men don't talk about their feelings. Men, men don't. We don't do that. We just keep it moving. And I actually said that. And I, I think I said that recently. And then I'm realizing that I'm setting myself up for failure. So if I know this recipe does not make a great cake, why am I still using it to bake? Why am I still preaching something that's a fail? Relationship. In other words, my relationship with holding stuff in, my relationship with me not saying what's on my mind, my relationship with me not living my life and being true to myself has failed. And I'm not saying that, oh, you should just be a waterfall saying just, oh, everybody know my business, everybody, everybody, everybody know my business. But what I am saying is, is that we have to get to a point where we can talk. And I think as black men, we need to come together. And talk. And I know a lot of people be like, well, you know, you have fraternity brothers and this, that, that. But can you really, really talk to your fraternity brother? Can you really talk to your brother without them cracking a joke? Oh, you sensitive now? Man up. Yo, man. Man, pull your panties down, B. <laughs> Let's keep it real. This is what we say. Or we mock, or we mock people we see going through stuff, and we're like, "Yo, you! I can't believe you let that girl dust you like that, man. It works. What? That couldn't be me, yo, man. And then next thing you know, that your boy who probably going through something, who want to say, you know, yo, I'm about, to, I'm going through something. He like, nah, I can't say nothing. So he, either you on the joke or you the butt of the joke. So he, he wants to be on a joke. So he, he, he going to crack the jokes back. Knowing he going through it. Knowing right now he going through it. He don't even know what to say, how to say it, when to say it. But because he saw how it looks when you actually show some vulnerability, he ain't going to show it. I've been guilty of that. And I look back at it and I have to apologize because there have probably been people around me who probably wanted to say I just need somebody to talk to and I'm sitting here you know cracking jokes like yo wow man we don't do that man let's let's, man, let's go shoot some ball or something man it ain't about that life when in reality they were crying out for help and now all of a sudden these people are committing suicide because they're trying to hold on to what we call masculinity. They're trying to hold on to 
a little bit of their manhood because we already told them that if they show vulnerability that they're not a man when guess what happens they start using drugs to cope with stuff they start using alcohol to start coping with stuff that's why I'm actually gonna be a big um, a big supporter of counseling and I think counseling will help in, in a lot of people's lives and especially with black men. I think we really need to sit down and actually have counsel with someone that's in a professional realm who's objective. And the key word is being objective. A lot of times we go to our pastors, they're not really objective. We go to our homeboys, they definitely ain't going to be objective. Some of y'all go to your own girl. <sighs> really? So we need we need to go to someone who can actually help us to see the bigger picture and our role that we play in it. And I think if that would have happened with DMX, and I'm not saying that they didn't try with DMX. I saw the documentary. I mean, but it's it's a long line of people who went through that. You know, I I rewatched um, the James Brown movie with um. Chadwick playing James Brown. Um, and if I was to take that movie for face value, James Brown needed help. As talented as he was, there were things he had he had not dealt with. But as a black man, he felt like he had to keep going and he couldn't deal with things. He failed in marriages because he's still trying to deal with the fact of his mother. Dealing with the fact of his father. Where he came from, how he grew up. The things he saw, things he dealt with. What else he going to turn to? And what did he turn to? He turned to alcohol. He turned to being abusive, drugs, because he was coping. I think we don't realize how how big that is in our culture. I'm I'm not that far removed, you know, from being a sinner that I, I remember, yo, let's smoke a blunt. Yo, we got problems, yo, we just smoke a blunt. Think about that for a moment. How many of y'all really was doing that? But you thought of weed, they don't mean nothing. And that's that's our thing, weed. It's just a little weed, just a little weed, just a little weed, just a little weed. How many people now do cocaine because of just a little weed? Heroin because of just a little weed? See, these are things we don't want to talk about because we just want to say it's just a little weed. 95% of people who still smoke weed that smoke weed when I smoked weed was just 20 years ago. I'm telling you right now, they're not smoking weed. They're smoking other drugs in that weed because your body built up a tolerance. But the reason why we started smoking weed was because we were dealing with issues. You ever went to your somebody's house, homeboy, homegirl, something? They're like, man, and I had a rough day. Word? Yo, I'm about to roll this L. That's how we start coping. Yo, man, yo, my baby mama, man, she getting on my nerves, yo. Yo, hit this. You don't even know what you're hitting. 
get this. But you equate, you know what we do? Psychologically, we equate, oh, to feel better, drugs. But see, we don't think about it that way. And that's how we start getting those coping skills. Or, you know what, man, I had a tough day at work. Well, I need a drink. Or then it turns into, man, I got to take the edge off. So before I go home, I'm stop at the bar. Then it turns to, yo, I'm going to pour a couple of, uh, you know, cups of alcohol while I'm at home. And the next thing you know, every time you come face with something, no matter how the size of it, you just drink it away. Some people spend it away. Some people smoke it away. But we as black men need to come up with a better way of dealing with stuff. So solutions. How we used to deal with stuff outside of using drugs is we'll just go work out, shoot some hoops, keep it real, go get some girls. None of that said deal with the issue. Because we don't know how to talk to each other. What black man really knows how to talk to another black man? You got fathers and sons who don't talk to each other. And they've been in each other's lives and they, they don't know how to really talk to each other. They don't know how to come and say, hey, I'm dealing with this. They don't know how to come and say, you know what, dad, this is what I'm going through. So how can we get to that point? How can we get to the point where we can say, you know what? I need help. I'm not okay. It's hard to keep moving forward. It, it, it's hard to wake up in the morning. I'm not happy here. I'm not happy in my marriage. I'm not happy with my significant other. I'm not happy being single. I'm not happy having sex with all these women. I'm not ha happy with not having sex with women. But I can't continue to just push through. I need help. Where do we go? I think this is where we need to invest more in our mental health. I used to say, you know what? Nah, just push through. Now I'm realizing some, it's okay to say, you know what, I can't today. It's okay to say, you know what, I just, I need to take a break. Because what we're noticing is, is that when you don't say those things, because Michael K. Williams was you doing those things while he was doing DMX. And, I, and I, I believe in my heart that while he was doing the tribute to DMX, he was saying to himself, I need help. But like DMX, he was thinking to himself, who can I turn to? First off, I'm in the industry that thinks that I'm this hard, you know, prison guy. You know, I walk around with a sawed off, you know what I'm saying? They don't want to see me. I need help. DMX was in the industry where he built up a reputation to the point if he came out and said, yo, I need help. We were more doing drugs was better than for him to say, I need help. I want us to really look at how we're really supporting the mental health of black men. How we really are 
sitting there and saying, hey, black man, I'm here for you. Not just to play basketball with, not just to go to the club with, not just to smoke an L with or have a drink with. I'm here because I know you need someone to talk to. Let's build that type of friendship. Let's build that type of brotherhood. Let's get to a point where we are able to say, you know what? I'm not happy. I need to go to someone. You know what? If my advice is not good enough, and if we, we'll take you to someone that you can actually talk to who can help you because that's what they went to school for. And that's what I want us to do. And I know a lot of people be like, man, it's BS, man. It ain't black, man. Man, y'all always talk about y'all get the this and y'all get that. Look at it this way. If you look at society in a whole, they still do public lynching on a daily consistent basis. But they do it in a way where they have to humiliate the black man. Nick Cannon had to do a walk of shame. Kevin Hart had to do an apology tour. LeBron James get ridiculed on a daily basis. And I could continue on and on and on of how they make sure to make the black man the butt of jokes. How they make sure to make the black man feel less no matter how rich they get. Despite how you feel about Bill Cosby. That's what they're doing. And I'm going to end with Bill Cosby because I think that's interesting of what he's dealing with right now. But the point I'm making is, is that with a black man, he sees himself getting ridiculed so much that maybe, just maybe, the self-esteem of us has gone down. Despite what YouTube may tell you, there's a lot of black men out there that are probably have low self-esteem right now. There's a lot of black men out there who are going through stuff that they're scared to talk to someone about because of what you see on YouTube with oh we gotta be alphas we gotta be this and that and there's a lot of black men who are probably like I just want to live and be happy but I don't know how to live and be happy so please take the time before you go out there and, and beat up another black man before you ridicule a black man just to say you know what black man I'm here for you and if I can't We'll go and get you the help because we don't need to see no more drug overdoses. I don't care if he, he, he took a little sniff of that overdose is overdose. So in our closing, learn something interesting. Bill Cosby is still facing um, some charges. And the reason why I say despite how you feel about Bill Cosby, I'm, I'm one, I tell people all the time, I don't think he did what they said he did, but I do think that he had relations with people. I don't think it was of the nature that they're saying it was. And one of the people that's still suing him is this woman. And the interesting part about the suit is the woman that's suing him is saying that he, um, I think he sexually harassed her or maybe killed her or raped. I don't want to get into details because I don't know. But this happened at the Playboy Mansion. But she was 15 at the time. And she didn't come with Bill Cosby. 
she worked at the Playboy Mansion. How does a 15-year-old white girl work at the Playboy Mansion? Why are y'all sitting here trying to ridicule Bill Cosby when y'all should be ridiculing the whole Playboy establishment? She was 15. It's actually documenting the case that she was 15 while she was working at the Playboy Mansion. She shouldn't even been at the Playboy Mansion. How many girls are Hugh Hefner abused and molested? But he's a national treasure. What's the difference between Hugh Hefner and R. Kelly right now? The color of their skin. And I think people don't realize Hugh Hefner had a strict rules about his girls. They had to be a certain color. They had to have a certain hair color. They had to stay a certain weight. And they could not have any boyfriends while they stayed at the Playboy Mansion. Or the, the, the site off. Once they got a boyfriend or something, he, he was done with them. Is that R. Kelly? So why didn't Hugh Hefner get this heat? Same reason why we still watch Harvey Weinstein movies. Same reason why we still have Kevin Spacey movies. The same reason why Seven Heaven is still on, even though the lead actor on Seven Heaven was playing with children. When it comes to black people, they will ridicule us. And they will do public lynchings. So as a black man, you see other black men who may have fallen short and trust me I'm not saying falling short as far as you know that's the stuff is wrong is wrong but when you see black men go through that and how they're ridiculed how they're drugged through the mud and everything when their white counterparts just get to walk hey oh they get to atone they become national treasures they get streets named after them don't believe me? We're in the South. How many schools are named after generals who try to keep people in slavery? How many statues have been erected of soldiers who were trying to keep people in slavery? Whatever may come of the Bill Cosby case is out of our hands. I, you know, I say, you know what, justice is justice. But one thing I will say is this. We need to start really looking at situations deeper than just surface. And lastly, everybody always, well, I say everybody now is saying they know what goes on in these Hollywood parties, they know what goes on in these record parties and this, that, and the third. But how do you know unless you're there? So the question I have is, what are you doing to get there? Because if you buy the door, either you escorting those people in to be slaughtered, or you participating in the slaughter. Either way, you're part of the problem. And I'd like to thank ToExposeYou.com, my co-host William, Darren Ray, all the other shows. I'd like to say thank you so much. And on this weekend, take time to reflect. But more importantly, take time to reflect in your lives. Take time to just 
be you, and more importantly, be you. Love yourself and take care of yourself. Kiss your family and live. I'm out.